Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Moment of Truth. I am your host, Taven Bellamy, and today we're going to talk about something very, very important. Um, and I think that this topic will help a lot of people through uh, a current process that they're in looking for uh, maybe a new job or doing a career transition um, or anything around the lines of having to do an interview. Whether you are the interviewer or the interviewee, this is for you. Let's go ahead and get started on our topic. Awareness of our communication during an interview. Okay. And this is probably one of those topics that can kind of be discussed in a variety of ways. All right. And even not even in just a variety of ways, but a overall different approach from perspective, uh, perspective every single time. And every time that we come back and try to, you know, read different self-help articles or, you know, watch some videos, I feel like we always get the same kind of answers of how to react to certain uh, stimuli or certain events in an interview. And not all of them can be very helpful, right? I, I feel like a lot of them kind of make you come off like generic and uh, not so much original. So we're going to go ahead and get, uh, dive deep into talking about how we can make ourselves more authentic, more original, and basically get to the point where we can portray ourselves as we see ourselves, right? So let's go ahead and uh, dive into the topic. The first two things that I want to talk about today are the two most important parts in communication. The two most important parts of communication are the part of receiving and the part of responding, right? So in the part of receiving, you're having a moment where you're listening, right? You're hearing what the other person is saying. And during that moment, your brain is basically trying to figure out all of these different context clues and they're trying to relate what the person is asking you to the experience that you have. And then from that experience, that's then trying to articulate a response that it can feed you that you can then feed to the interviewer, right? So this process happens like super, super fast. It, it happens within the moment of, you know, milliseconds, nanoseconds. It's a bunch of neurological pathways firing all at once. And then boom, you get this magical response that you're, you're now communicating back in, in your response, right? But that part of receiving, let's kind of break that part down a little bit more. There's a moment in, and this is, it's funny because I like to actually call this part the moment of truth. During the part where the interviewer asks somebody the question, right? They ask you the question and you are now getting ready to respond. But there's a moment, a small moment of grace, a small moment of truth, a pause that takes you out of the anxiety. It takes you out of the scene entirely and puts you into a subconscious process that allows you to then extract the information and give it to the interviewer. Now, this moment is a lot more special than we kind of know or are aware of. That's why I'm having this conversation around this specifically because it's not something that should kind of just be glazed over a lot of the comments that i see about this moment is for people to 
take a longer pause. But I feel like if you're taking too long of a pause, the interview then at some point starts to become awkward, right? You have a person asking a question and then a person is like trying to figure it out, right? And that doesn't really help the confidence of the interviewee and it doesn't help the confidence of the interviewer. It more makes things awkward and now the interviewee is questioning their own ability to explain things maybe or just the they're questioning the likelihood of getting hired because they may be seeing facial expressions or hearing tonality shifts from the interviewer who may be getting a little bit impatient or just is losing confidence in the overall interview. So I feel like the first thing that we want to recognize is that that moment is ours to control. The moment where we go from hearing the question to getting ready to answer it, that small moment of truth is ours to control. So in a sense of controlling that, what we should be practicing or what we can practice that will make those transitions less anxiety filled and more just fluid, right? And taking that moment to embrace the moment is how we do that effectively without taking too much time to try to sit and really think about all the ways we could answer. Now, when I was talking about this to um, a group of mine, the the direction that this would take or what this would actually like look like if you were to physically practice this is just enough time for you to notice that you're in that moment, that you're in that moment of truth and you're consciously aware that you are now getting ready to respond to this person, right? Being able to do that, it gives you that extra second, that extra nanosecond, right? That extra moment of power, that extra sense of, okay, I know what I'm about to do. That will overall build your confidence back in the sense that you know that you're in control. Your mind thinks and knows that it's in control because you're recognizing these small moments and not just kind of thinking consciously, but thinking just throughout the whole process without actually sitting in the moment. It's always on to the next question, next question, right? So having the moment to sit in that spot of retrieving just long enough for you to become consciously aware of it. And like, this is going to be very fast. Like they ask a question, Hey, uh, could you explain X, Y, Z to me? Yeah, of course. So, right. And it was just long enough for it to be like, I'm catching my breath or I'm, I'm just taking a quick refresh swallow. Right. Or I'm just trying to get to a point where I can remember, uh, everything that you just asked me, but it's not overbearing where they're like, Hey, could you explain X, Y, Z to me? And maybe something, uh, an experience wise that you've been through or have done. Yeah, so uh, that kind of just like throws it off. <laughs> it's kind of just like a little bit too too much of a pause where it's like, okay, are you are you able to effectively communicate? Because if you're not, then there's going to be an issue. I believe one way to take the power back in an interview is to just become aware of these moments, right? So that moves into the second part. Now, the response. We've understood now how to receive but now we need to respond. We need to be able to give that answer that they're looking for, but also be able to give the answer that we are confident in giving, right? We don't want to rabbit hole so much on questions that we do know the answer to, but we 
are trying to sound too smart basically so during that process of trying to overpower with words and just like technicals that you're not really 100% sure of like how they actually connect instead of doing that what we can do better is respond with experience respond with a story better yet that's a better way to put it responding with a story allows you to not only provide a visual example for the, whoever you're talking to to uh for them to understand for them to start comprehending what it is that you've done because when you go into an interview the overall sense of an interview is for somebody to talk with somebody else about their experience and their work track history right and get to a point where they can agree on terms of value the value is i give you job description xyz you perform job description xyz and you are monetized via whatever the value is right whether it's company shares or it's a um, a salary or hourly rate or it's a contract gig whatever it is right you're you're awarded these things um, in value for your value now if we look at that general concept and we say okay i'm coming into this interview for a purpose i'm here to show them my value and to see if their values match my values right it's, it's a game of matching so if your values match my values then we could be a good fit if our values don't match, then we may not be a good fit. And it's probably not worth the time of wasting uh, continuous manpower to, to figure that out. So now we're in a point like we know that we're here. We know that we're trying to give our value and receive that value in return. How do we bridge the gap of explaining something to somebody and giving them a vivid description of, not not just a description but just a visual representation of who we are and what we can do right what we can do is give this value but now we need to be able to reflect that how do we do that well the first thing like i said is with stories and the second thing is your own experience so you combine the two. What do I mean by a story? Okay, so, um, and I'll just give my example for uh, the tech industry because this is what I talk about a lot and a lot of the examples based around uh, technical interviews. But you can apply this technical knowledge to any industry. But I think the example will uh, warrant a good visual, a story to a story, right? So when you're in a technical interview for software engineering, when you get to the technical portion where you're maybe live coding or whiteboarding or you're explaining visual code to uh, like code on a screen to somebody, there comes a point in time where you're now responding to the questions that they're asking you. And there's a lot of definition and there's a lot of context around these answers and that you may not be fully familiar with, right? Um, or you may be fully familiar with it. But how do we respond to these people uh, about and, and talk about this uh, in a sense that they can understand? Because most of the time in any job industry, the person that you are interviewing with probably does not do the job they're interviewing you for. They may not even work in that department. A lot of times you have HR reps or an HR team that come in and do all of the hiring stuff and then you get placed on your team and you get uh, proper training for that department. So 
in the tech industry, it's no different. You're interviewing with HR people or recruiters or uh, technical advisors and people that are not so much involved in the grind day-to-day -day technical jargon and the stuff, but they're just people that are doing people jobs, <laughs> right? So how do we communicate with, with our sense of conversation and language to their sense of conversa uh, conversation and language? And we do that with stories. How do you tell a story? Tell it from the user's experience or tell it from the experience of the other side of what you're doing the service for. So in engineering, we're building a website and we're fixing websites and causing, uh, we're creating solutions to problems that the users are having. So if you're going on a website and you're trying to do something and something is giving you an error, we're supposed to fix it. So in that, in my response, hey, what is this? Hey, have you ever worked with this? Hey, have you ever uh, had to do anything like this? My immediate response is to find and think about something that I have done in my work that would be related to that and get the most strongly related one, right? We all are gonna do that naturally, but being able to tell it in a story that's where it becomes dynamic because now you're not only getting tonality and infliction, you might get a little bit of emotion, which more or less you should have a lot more, like not exhilarating emotion, but just stable emotion. Like you can tell you're maybe, maybe getting a little bit excited about the topic, right? And uh, in that response, that's where you have the power. You have the power to portray what you are trying to portray. So when we're moving into the point where we're about to give them an answer, the first thing we want to do is make sure we're structuring it like a story. Yeah. So, you know, this part of the project, I got to experience the thing you're asking me about um, during something I was creating uh, when I was what I was creating was a, a functionality. And then when they would do that, uh, then I would send this over and do some technical stuff, right? Technical stuff and some technical stuff which doesn't need to be super extreme, just enough basic on the surface to give a general sense of what it is you're doing. I was creating a form for a person to enter in their information and that way they can send it and get a response, right? And then in that, we had some problems and there was, I had to use what you're asking me, XYZ, to fix that problem. And after we fixed the problem, um, we were able to get this thing back up and running and the customers were able to successfully, you know, do what they were supposed to do. <laughs> uh, now, obviously, that's going to be a lot more smooth, right? Coming out and being practiced than just understanding like you have a specific story. Don't give a generic, <laughs> a fake story, right? Because you're not going to be able to articulate and you're not going to come across with that correct energy. So give a example that you've actually endured talk about it in that flow in that storyline flow like we started here we got to here this is what happened and this is how we fixed it these are the results star it's called uh they they use it in facebook and um a lot of fang companies and just really big companies star method uh kind of like ingrained in what their responses like their interviewees responses should sound like situation task action result and I believe that that is a really good method to explain things because it gives a visual representation while also allowing you to flavor it with some of the technical work that you've done. Okay, so now moving off of the two parts, and, and I think we covered those pretty in depth, the part of receiving that information and understanding you have control in that moment, 
and then the response after that moment of truth to give the best type of storyline that you can so that they understand you know what you're doing, you have the passion, you have the experience. Peaking curiosity. This is so, so important. When you are in a situation where you do not know the answer, you have no idea what the answer is to this question. You know that you may have done something around it, right? There may have been like, hey, have you ever filed this kind of document paperwork? No, I haven't, but I've filed a lots of document paperwork, right? I'm sure I can learn, right? Have you ever worked with this specific kind of equipment? Um, No, 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 I haven't worked with that. No, I haven't worked with that. Nope. Have you ever worked with this technology or used or heard of this? Oh, no, no, I haven't. I haven't heard. I've, I've heard of something like it or maybe i have heard about it right but uh you know but I, i'm sure i can learn it though nope those are those generic the general responses that you hear a lot when people don't know the answer they revert to this safety net well i don't know it but i can learn it and it's like their way of being able to show it, it's our right it's our way to show that we have the strength and the ability to learn whatever we need to learn but we want to just be able to effectively communicate that. And I don't want to make it seem like, uh, like, you know, anything picture perfect. Cause I used to do the same thing as well. I used to, well, I don't know that, but I'm, I've learned X, Y, Z. I'm sure I can learn it. Right. And the responses I've always got from that just were not what I expected. They didn't come back with a, oh, well, that's awesome. I'm glad you're willing to learn. Like it was never like that. It was just a, okay, all right, cool. Next. And I felt like I was just wasting, I just wasted a moment to put my full self forward, right? My, my hundred percent. And it wasn't that I was doing it on purpose. It was, that's just what I learned how to do what, how to caveat off of a question you don't know, but still remain in good standing, <laughs> I guess, in the interview, like you don't know what you're talking about. So how do you channel that? And what I did and what I found really, really, really worked um, and I've started sharing it with my mentees and they have said that it really works and they've seen a shift in the dynamic of how they respond and what kind of response that they're getting back, which I think is the most important part because that's how you know that you have effective communication, right? You give out that response consciously and you get back an expected response and it's good. It's a good one, right? And it can be bad sometimes. It can be something we didn't expect, but we gave it our all. We seen that it did not work and we you know we kept it pushing. <laughs> um, that's that's that part of being resilient, but more in just that aspect of understanding that it did work. Like that is amazing. Peaking curiosity is all about uh, being able to show that you have passion. It's being able to show your passion without actually saying it. You don't have to say, oh, like, I'm super passionate about this job. I'm very, very passionate about what I'm doing. And I love this job. I love doing this. I love these people. I love this stuff. Like, nobody wants to hear that. We want to be able to feel it, right? We don't want to hear it. Words don't mean, right? We want to feel it. So in that motion of feeling what the other person is saying, we need, we need to be able to give them something real right? How do you express that you are passionate about something without saying it? Peak them with curiosity. 
It is one of the most simple fundamental things that you can do in an interview that will show the interviewer that you have a strong interest in the topic that they are talking about and that you have the capacity to understand and make a continued conversation around that topic or whatever it was, even though you did not know a full encompassment of what they were talking about and even how to give them a response to their question. But you were able to take their question, pique curiosity and show them that you were fulfilled, right? You were sparked by their question to learn more. And when you show them that, you show them that moment of you want to learn more, you want to give it more than just the answer that they're expecting. You want to actually learn in the interview, right? Not even on the job. You want to learn in the interview. So being able to learn in the interview involves us asking relevant questions. It involves us piquing interest in something that the interviewer is saying and maybe asking them to explain a little bit more, right? So let me give you an example. Hey, have you ever worked with XYZ? No, I haven't actually worked with XYZ. However, I did work with ABC and I had a lot of time and experience working with this and I've uh, got to work on probably a, a couple different projects um, that we got to implement these different kind of things. I haven't specifically worked with um, worked with XYZ, but I do know that XYZ is actually built on top of whatever, whatever. And that is actually a just a addition to what it is I was working on. So it implements a couple new things. And I didn't use those new things, but I've used things similar to those new things with a different program. And in this thing, I was able to you know, understand the concepts of these, which are encapsulated in these, what you're asking me. And I learned this in about two weeks. So I would say it would probably be roughly about the same to understand the gist of, of XYZ. And we see how that sounds so much better than, no, I haven't used it, but I'm sure I can learn it. Right. <laughs> so Peaking curiosity shows that you're interested. It shows you want to learn more. You can even start solving problems for them in the interview. And it just like, wow, this person's on it. Let's just bring them in. They're already trying to, they're already trying to go. Like, can we speed this up a little bit? Right. Um, and at worst case scenario, you spend a little bit more time on one thing and it eats up more time in the interview. Nobody likes to waste time. So you get to the end of the interview. They didn't ask you all the questions, but they had a really great conversation. And that's all that matters. I wanted to now move away from the talk about the actual confidence and then just move into a quick, quick conversation about being able to articulate our thoughts effectively. The first thing in being able to articulate your thoughts effectively, sometimes is just by letting them run rampant. Sometimes you're going to say things you don't mean to say. Sometimes you're going to stutter. And sometimes you're going to have just these imperf imperfect, uh, like just like right now, like me, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's not a thing of bad. It's just a thing to improve on. 
being able to articulate things that you've done before may cause you to babble for hours to people before you start to understand how to explain it. It's okay to be imperfect. And I feel like this is a, you know, it's a whole other topic on its own. I'm, I'm going to cover it eventually because nowadays it's so pedestaled to be this perfect image, to have a perfect image, to do things like everybody else is doing in them, to have it perfect like they are before you ever start. And it's so immobilizing because nobody ever starts anything because nothing will ever be perfect. So go in and just go fail. Just go fall flat on your face. Say things that, you, that you've never said before in an interview, respectfully, <laughs> right? Uh, professionally. Say, do things like step out of your comfort zone and ask that question, you know, that you may not have asked before. Do something and become aware of something now that you know you can possibly improve. It's not that you're doing it wrong. It's just that you can do it better right? We can always do it better and then run with it. And one of those things is being able to talk about your thoughts, take the piece that's coming out first and talk about it and then talk about it in a story. Talk about it in a way that you can understand that you can explain that to somebody else and they would understand. The school I went to was uh, the rubber duck theme, right? Be able to explain this to a rubber duck in concept, like very infinite brain, right? Be able to explain it. Somebody has no idea what you're talking about. And when you can do that, when you can start talking to people in simple terms, but effective technical jargon, right? If not jargon, uh, concepts, right? Themes, be able to explain your job and your passion or your interviewing stuff to your child, to your dog, right? <laughs> Maybe not the dog, right? They're going to be like, well, borrow. <laughs> but yeah, and, and just those couple small practices, right? Just the very small things that you focus on and just try to become better at it each time will so, like, it will increasingly improve your overall ability to interview and be an interviewer because then you start becoming conscious of things you would do as an interviewee and you can start to see that inside of the people that you're interviewing to see if they're really blowing smoke up your ass or if they're actually being genuine and they're passionate about what they're doing so this is very powerful this was a moment of truth i hope you guys all enjoyed i uh i always aim to give the most value that i can and talk about situations in a in a different perspective uh based on my own experience so it's new and fresh and it's just a, a new perspective on the on ways to look at things and ways to practice uh, becoming better, right? That's that's the the end goal, not the end goal. The the objective of life is continue to create and become better, evolve. Um, and that's just what we're doing here. So thank you guys so much for joining Moment of Truth. Um, I will see you in the next show. Deuces. <laughs>